You're listening to a podcast from the Lakes Church in Cairns, Australia. Today, the message comes in the form of a conversation. Last week, we had the privilege of hearing from pastor and author and international speaker, Tanya Harris, from the ministry God Conversations. And today, we are picking up that conversation because a number of you SMSed in your questions last weekend, and Tanya today is going to be able to respond to them. And so it's wonderful to not just have the topic opened up of how do we hear God's voice, but be able to dig deeper into some of the difficulties we have into some of the ways that we can position ourselves to better hear and respond to God's voice. And so I'm going to ask your questions of Tanya, and we're going to have a bit of a conversation to unpack this more. You may have heard Tanya Harris on the radio in Australia or New Zealand or even the UK, and she has a wonderful website that we'll talk about at the end with some free resources and a couple that you could buy as well to continue learning this practice, habit, uh, and relationship of hearing God's voice. Welcome back to the Lakes Church, Tanya Harris. Thank you. It's so good to be with you all. One day we'll have to get you up here in person, but hey, at least online is better than nothing. It's a real privilege to have you share with us, not just last week, but this week as well. So thank you. Oh, my pleasure. You sound like a wonderful church. And of course, you have a fantastic pastor who was taught by an exceptionally good school teacher when he was seven years old. Absolutely. You've taught me everything I know, pretty much. (laughs) Um, well, we've got some questions that people sent in and, uh, and so I'd just like to throw some questions at you and we'll have a conversation and, and to see where we land. So the first question that we had, the person um, was relating the relationship between God and us like a parent with their children. And this person wrote about their own children. And they said that they would always try and speak plainly to their kids so that their kids would understand them. Whereas it seems like God doesn't speak plainly to us. Uh, and so we might become um, not attuned to his voice because it's so hard to understand him. Um, how would you how would you respond to that dilemma? In two ways, God speaks, I believe, to be heard, but he is also a masterful communicator. So he wants to prod a little bit at the heart. So if you have a think about Jesus as a communicator, he didn't always speak that plainly he told stories and parables and he took people on a journey of discovery and of learning so that they would seek out answers for themselves. And often when Jesus told parables, two groups of people were listening and one group went away not understanding, but there was another group who did understand. They were the ones who came back and asked Jesus. They were seeking understanding. So I think that sometimes the Spirit takes us on a journey to help us seek for understanding and seek the truth. But having said that, the the idea that uh, he uses things that are difficult to understand like symbolism and imagery, that's partly us not realising that that's a really powerful form of communication. I think of some of you may be familiar with a story in an Old Testament book of Ezekiel where God is speaking to the prophet and he's about to say, make a promise, I'm going to restore all the hopes and the dreams that have been lost so God could have spoken plainly. He could have said to the um, to Ezekiel, I'm going to restore your hopes and I'm going to make your dreams come true and I'm going to send you back to the land. But instead what he did was he showed him a vision and it was a scene of a dry valley and at the base of the valley was a whole array of dead bones and they'd been there for so long. They were brittle and bleached white in the sun. And, and then Ezekiel watches and a wind blows and the bones begin to rattle and shake and join together and then the wind keeps blowing and then, Breath comes into the the bones and they begin to form uh, sinews and muscles and flesh. And 
then they rise up like a mighty army. It's like a zombie movie. And, um, and then God says, these bones are the hopes of my people. And this is what I'm going to do. So the spirit speaks creatively and in powerful ways. But sometimes we don't understand that he speaks that way. And so it's a little bit like just learning how the language of the spirit and understanding what he's trying to do. But it was a little bit like Jesus, you know, it's about seeking God. And as we seek God, the Holy Spirit is a teacher and he will teach us. So it's not difficult. All it takes is a heart to learn. Even a child can do that. Wow. Okay. So, so it's not about, um, not about a miscommunication where God doesn't want us to understand, but it's about learning his language so that we can understand. Absolutely. Absolutely. God's not hiding. He's characterized by a voice, that famous scene that I talked about um, on, on the message of God's still small voice in Elijah's cave. He's, he's, he wants to be known and seen as a voice. He's a person who communicates. He's deeply personal. And so he's not hiding. And he's not trying to be evasive for those who are seeking. He wants to be found. And I think he wants to communicate more clearly to us than we even want to know or listen. So we mm. start with that understanding that God wants to be heard. Great. Someone asked a question that I think follows on nicely from this about um, how can we uh, learn to hear God's voice using the Bible? Are there some practical ways we can kind of understand how God speaks from the Bible? I think so crucially, um, the Bible tells us all about how to hear from God and how God speaks and how we can know it's God and what happens afterwards. So when we read the Bible, it's kind of like a collection of God conversations. Um, everyone is having conversations with God. So you've got Abraham and Moses and Isaiah and Amos and Peter and Philip and um, John, the whole crew, all of God's people are hearing from God. So it gives us this incredible array of how God speaks and the sorts of things that God says and then what happens after we hear. So getting into the Bible is understanding that God is a talker and what he talks about. And and even perhaps more essentially than that, when we're trying to work out, is that God's voice I'm hearing? It's our go-to place because everything that the Holy Spirit says to us today is consistent with the character and nature of God. Well, how do I know the character and nature of God? Well, the most fullest and completest and clearest revelation of God's nature was seen in his son, Jesus. Jesus was the living word of God in the flesh. Everything that Jesus said was God's word and everything that Jesus did was God's word. So what that means is what to, to, to recognize God's voice, I need to know about Jesus. And our go-to place for that is the Bible. And so that's our starting point. Mm. I always say, people say to me, oh, I'm scared if I hear the wrong voice. And it's like, well, you don't have to be scared to hear the wrong voice because the voice always sounds like Jesus. So even with a basic knowledge of Jesus, you can hear and recognize God's voice. Okay. Always sounds like Jesus. Uh, I suppose there's a bit of a learning um, by understanding Jesus and knowing what his voice sounds like to figure that out. Um, there were a number of people who really identify with you saying in your message last week that you're quite cerebral in, in the way that you think and encounter God. Uh, and so if you're trying to hear God's voice, a lot of thoughts come and a lot of them would be your own. So how, how do we begin to tell the difference between our thoughts and what we want and God and what he wants? Yeah, yeah. that's a fun one. I- 
I think it was interesting in my PhD studies. I did a PhD on hearing from God and I interviewed a hundred or so people on their experiences. Wow. And one of the most, one of the things I asked them was, how do you know it was God? And it, nearly every time they said, well, it's not something that I would say. And God's voice was distinctive. It, it, it sounds like, you know, people sometimes are expecting a, an out loud, audible, earth, body shattering voice. And, um, and God's voice is a spiritual voice and it comes within the realm of our, our minds. The spirit is with us. And so when the spirit speaks as a thought or an image, it comes on the stage of our minds. So it kind of sounds like our thought, but it's not our thought. So the spirit says things that I don't say. I was just chatting with you, Jeff, earlier about when I went to the Solomons and I had saved all this money and the spirit said to give it all away. (laughs) And I knew that it wasn't my voice because I would never say that. But the spirit says things that we don't think of, like, you know, be generous to that person or call that person that you haven't been thinking about or I'm promising you this that you've never considered. It's beyond your imagination. Um, and and for me, the way that I started to recognize God's voice is that it often came at times that was unexpected, um, not even when I was praying. Sometimes I would go to church and have worship time and I'd expect to hear from God and I'd always receive encouragement. But after the prayer time or after the church service, I'd be driving to work and then the Spirit would speak when I least expected it. So, And in some ways it was almost easier to pick up on. And then the other thing I think... Um, for people who are struggling in this area, and this may sound like a bit of an odd answer, but dreams are the most common way that God speaks in the scriptures. Most of the pivotal points in biblical history began while someone was sleeping. And I remember when I first heard that, I thought, that's just so strange. Um, but if you have a little survey of your Bible, you'll see that that's true. And the thing I like most about this is that when I'm sleeping, my brain is switched off. And so it doesn't become about me trying to hear from God or my skill or my effort. I'm doing nothing. The spirit takes the initiative to speak. My responsibility lies in listening and posturing my heart and saying, God, I want to know you. I want to follow you. Like the the prophet Samuel of old said, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. That's my job. And then the spirit knows how to get through. Okay. Is there anything we can do to encourage that more or, or maybe to hinder that if the spirit really wants to get to get through? Is there, apart from sleeping, which I think is excellent advice, <laughs> uh, is, there, is there anything we can do to to, uh, to hinder that or help that anymore? Yeah, yeah, there is. I think, you know, I, I often tell the story that the way I first started hearing from God is I prayed this crazy prayer and I was 21 years old and in a little bit of a, you know, crossroads time in my life. I just finished university and I said to God, I don't know if you're real and I really want to know you. And I've read the stories in the Bible about you speaking and about you doing things. People talk about you like you're the next door neighbor, like it's a personal relationship, but I didn't feel that and I hadn't experienced that. So I sat down one day on a beach and I said, God, um, would you speak to me? And if you do, could you just make it really clear? None of that fuzzy stuff, you know, um, none of that guesswork. I I just want to know it's you. Just make it really clear. And if you make it clear, I will do whatever you say. (laughs) 
(laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I know. And um, it worked. (laughs) God spoke really clearly. And uh, to be honest, Jeff, I was surprised at how clear God could speak. But what that meant was that I had committed to doing what God said. And that completely changed my life because I found that I was doing things that I had not thought that I would do or I, I found myself laying my life down in ways I'd never considered. I, I found myself um, repenting of some pretty ugly stuff on the inside and stepping out and doing things I'd never thought of before. So how do I get better at hearing God's voice? It starts with posturing my heart and saying, God, I want to follow you. Jesus said, Uh, In John chapter 10, verse 27, he said, my people hear my voice. I know them and they follow. And so hearing from God comes with, will you follow me? Because at the end of the day, that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. I listen to the voice of Jesus who comes as the continuing voice of the Holy Spirit in my life when I become a Christian. And then I follow. And so the Spirit speaks different things to different people. Um, but the onus is on me to do what God says. And when we posture our hearts like that, it becomes easier to discern what God is saying. Okay. Could you speak a little bit about the role of community, uh, you know, Christian brothers and sisters and, and the family of the church? Um, uh, maybe in, in a couple of directions, like if we really, you know, if I really believe I've heard from God, but, but someone I know and trust and respect is advising me differently, how do I navigate that? Uh, and, in, and maybe in another way, if someone someone I love um, is doing something that I think really isn't from God and they haven't heard from God, how do we navigate that? Yes. Well, the truth is we don't need the church to hear God's voice because when I become a Christian, the Spirit comes into my life and, and speaks to me wherever I am. So I don't need to be in a church service. I don't need to be with certain people. The Spirit can speak to me at any time, any place. Mm. However. I do need the church to recognize it. And this is where it becomes really important because I can hear from God, but I can also get it wrong. And history tells story after story after story about people who got it wrong. You've probably heard some of those stories yourself. Every pastor has. Um, Some of them are pretty hairy, but people think they hear from God and they confuse it with their own desires and their own thoughts and their own sin. We hear what we want to hear. And we see what we want to hear. So it takes humility first up to be able to say, God, I want to hear from you, but I could be wrong. How do I know it's God? Well, the pattern that we have in the scripture after the spirit came on the early church was that the spirit spoke to one person, but whenever there was something new or something a bit unusual, the spirit always spoke more than once. And so there's that amazing story in Acts chapter 10, some of you may have heard it, where the apostle Peter He's called to build the church, but he's never built a church before. He doesn't know what it looks like. He's on the rooftop and he's praying and he's waiting for lunch. He falls asleep and he dreams about food, (laughs) right? And then he has this crazy vision about food and it seems that God is saying that the non-Jewish people, the Gentiles, are suddenly allowed in the church. Now, this is radically new stuff. No one had heard of this before. In fact, the whole history of Israel was that only Jews were allowed in. You had to be a Jew. You couldn't be a Gentile. So this was new. So how did Peter know it was God and he just wasn't dreaming of having a bad dream about some really bad food because he was hungry? 
Well, what happens is just as Peter is having his vision over on the other side of the country in Caesarea, there's another man called Cornelius and he's hearing from God at the same time. And the spirit brings them together and it's like, well, Peter, what did you see? And Cornelius, what did you hear? And they talk about it and they realize that God is saying exactly the same thing. And then when they take that message to the Gentiles, the Holy Spirit falls supernaturally on them and confirms what they've just heard. That's the pattern we have for how we can know it's God. And for that, we need the church. So what typically happens is I can hear from God. Wonderful. I have the spirit. But if it's something that's outside of the Bible, it's a bit new, it's a bit odd, well, then I can't go just on my my feeling, my inkling, a thought I had a dream. I actually need to have a witness of another person because it's too dangerous. It's a little bit like... um this is what happens in the law courts when we go on the witness stand and we, we call someone up and we say, well, what did you see? I saw a car accident and a, a red car hit a blue car and it was the red car's fault. Thank you for your testimony. Please sit down. Is there any other witnesses? Oh, yeah, there's somebody else. Up you come. What did you see? I saw the red car hit the blue car. It was the red car's fault. Now, because we've now got two witnesses, we are more confident to establish that's what happened. And that's exactly what happens in the church. We have the testimony of two or three and the spirit confirms this. One of the ways he does that is through God's people and God speaks twice. And when we're first learning how to hear from God, you'll find that this happens a lot. When I lived with my flatmate, um, I, I remember a couple of times I woke up and I'd had a dream and I thought it was from God and I shared it with my flatmate and lo and behold, she'd had the other half of the dream. Like it was, it was a complimentary thing. And I've seen that happen time and time again. When we, it it could be something simple like God speaking to us during the week and then we come to church on Sunday or we, we turn on church on Sunday and they're speaking about exactly the same thing I've been reading in my Bible that week. That's how the spirit begins to teach us and confirm his word. And so humility is required. Um, it's much better to say, I think God is saying. Until there is a, a te, you know, a witness in the spirit from somebody else until God has confirmed it. And then to really trust, actually, I'm kind of, and, and Jeff, I'm kind of relaxed about this. I say to God all the time, I said to you, you need to make it clear. So if it's not clear, I'm not doing it. it and seriously, every single time he makes it so clear. It's like he's got my number and, you know, cause he wants me to follow. That's the heart of God. He wants us to follow. So why wouldn't he make it clear? Wow. I think that's really powerful. So j- just say that again. What do you, what do you say to God and what does he do? <laughs> <laughs> I, I say, God, make it clear and I'll do whatever you say. Mm. So again, I'm just posturing my heart to follow. And, you know, as I said, I often find that I'm the hard case. It's not that I'm really clever at this uh, or it's not a skill. It, it can't be because the spirit's for everyone sons and daughters, young and old, given freely to everyone. Mm. And God wants us to follow. God wants us to participate in his plan. Why wouldn't he make it clear? Yeah. I have one more question for you. Um, there's yes. a story in the Old Testament that, that you'll know about a guy named Gideon, and he um, kind of puts God to the test or, or he's very scared and asks God for confirmation. And the modern-day equivalent would be me as I look outside and I see the traffic. I say, God, if you want me to you know, have, have a chocolate bar for dinner. 
if I could just see a white <laughs> Hilux go past. <laughs> as the kind, the kind of thing now, what Gideon asked for was a little bit more miraculous, but what about that idea of signs or, or confirmation? There's actually a psychological phenomenon for that. Did you know that? It's called the yeah. Biden-Meinhof phenomenon. Like it's because of this, this thing? <laughs> well, no, because people see what they want to see. Ah, right, yes. It's like, you know, God, if it's you, make the green light, make the red light turn red, green in five seconds, you know. So when Jesus was on earth, he often said things and then signs followed what he said. And signs were miraculous phenomena that confirmed what he had just said. So, for example, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever feeds on me will never be hungry. And then he's having a picnic with 5,000 people. He takes the bread and the loaves, multiplies it, and everyone eats until they're full and there's so much left over. And what's just happened? He's just done a tangible demonstration, supernatural demonstration of what he's just said. It's a sign. Mm -hmm. So, And that happens all the way through the New Testament. And so signs are a biblical way of confirming what's from God, but signs are God-made. They're not human-made. They're not human-initiated. We don't manipulate the circumstances to try and make God say something. If If God is really speaking, he will confirm it supernaturally. There'll be, there'll be a supernatural thing attached to it. Um, I tell the story in my book where I moved from Melbourne to Sydney. This is a number of years ago. And the reason I did that was because I had a, a dream where I saw myself in Sydney. Uh, and some certain things were happening. Now I at the time didn't know anybody there. I had no intention of going there. A year later, the dream came to pass miraculously before my eyes. It was one of those freak freaky moments where um the supernatural suddenly becomes real and that was supernatural i couldn't manufacture that i had no way of making it happen and that's what a sign is i think that we need to be careful about creating and manipulating circumstances to make them say what we want to say we let god do that god has his own creative spectacular ways of making his voice clear we trust in the person that we're following, that we've seen revealed in Jesus. We don't trust or, or manipulate or go after an experience. We want to we want to follow a person. I think that's really important. Otherwise, we can get ourselves into knots and be we become a little bit um, a bit wacky sometimes. We, we start to see things that aren't there, and that's not wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not that that would happen in your church, <clears throat> Jeff, oh, Pastor Jeff, okay. I'm sure. Because... <laughs> Good advice. Um, I want to ask you to pray for us in a moment, but um, before yes. tell us about your resources because we've had the privilege of two weeks uh, with you, two Sundays, but um, but I know you've written and recorded and doing other things. So how could we learn more from you? So God called me to start God Conversations about 15 years ago and the whole ministry is designed just to help people hear from God. And so we've developed a huge range of resources, many of which are available uh, freely on godconversations.com. So if if this has really touched on people's heart, Jeff, I would really encourage people to avail themselves of the podcast and the blogs and the videos that are all there for them. Because one of the things I have found in this area is that this is like any relationship. It takes some time and we learn to communicate. I know that you've been married to Laura for how many years now? Almost 14 years, I think. 14 years. Yeah, that's, (laughs) yeah, get it right. (laughs) She's watching. 
But my guess is that your communication is much better now than it was in the first year of marriage. Would you say that? Yeah. Yeah. So when you ask her, how are you? And she says, I'm fine. You know what that means. Yeah. Good. Excellent. But it's true in the relationship with God is very similar. So it does take time and I encourage you to go on that journey and if there are some resources we can help you with, that would be awesome. This book, which I just happen to have here, um, is a, yeah, I feel like I'm doing a, um, one of those um, infomercials now. Um, this called God Conversations, very originally titled, and it's a story of how God spoke to me over the years and spliced with a number of God Conversations in the Bible. And the, the idea was to show you the backstory of how God makes his voice clear. And I think you'll find that super encouraging. And the other option is that we have an online course that's designed for people over six to seven weeks to do in either small groups or in individuals. And it's involved videos, a bit like just a small group Bible study. But again, it's about setting your heart to follow. So I encourage people to really, um, maybe we can even pray that prayer that I prayed earlier, Jeff, um, with your church to, um, make it, you know, say that prayer. Are you willing to follow? Because that's what really sets us on a journey of being able to hear God more clearly. Mm. Yep, I'd love that. Yeah, would you please pray for us? That would be awesome. Are we ready? I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> You're ready. Oh God, we thank you that you are an amazing, wonderful God, and that you have great things in store for us, Lord. You are so personal. You are with us. You shepherd us. And your presence goes with us wherever we go. And so, Father, we just want to pray for the Lakes Church and everyone in in it and everyone who's listening to this video. Father, I pray that you would pour out your spirit of grace and truth on them. And, Father, they would hear from you clearly. God, that you would show them things that they haven't seen before. Remind them of everything you've said in your in in the Bible, God, and then speak to them about things to come. Father, about their families, about their futures, about their businesses, God, the things on their heart. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would give us ears to hear what you're saying. And Lord, we come to you again and we pray that prayer that I prayed at 21, that God, we pray that you would make it clear, Lord, that you would help us to know your voice above all others. And God, that as you do that, we commit ourselves to following. Give us grace to follow, Father, those of us who have heard from you already, Lord, and sometimes finding it difficult. Lord, give us grace to do what you're saying, we pray. Make us more like you. Bless your church. Bless Pastor Jeff and Laura and all of the Lakes Church, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.